Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're joined by the guys from the Redemption Arc podcast. We've got Turner. Hello, everyone. And we've got Nick. Hello. We've brought them here today because we're talking about Tombstone. You see that? It says United States Marshal. Why? Please don't kill me, please. Take a good look at him, Mike, because that's how you're going to end up. The Cowboys are finished, you understand me? I see a red sash. I kill a man wearing it. So run, you cur. Uh, run! Tell all the other curs the lie's coming. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me. You hear? Hell's coming with me. This is a classic American western. Directed by George P. Cosmatos. The cast includes John Ruth the Hangman, Lieutenant Tom Iceman Kaczynski, The Stranger from The Big Lebowski, Moses, Jack from Sideways, Catherine Mayfair, Katniss's mom, Yondu, and many, many more. I watched this movie on Amazon. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on Amazon with ads, poorly placed ads, middle of action ads. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Turner, how did you watch it? I watched it on YouTube. And what about you, Nick? I also watched it on YouTube after foregoing the Amazon with ads version. I just knew it was going to mess with the experience. Totally it agree. That's, I can't believe you did that, Joey. Or you did that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it was a mistake. <laughs> uh, the thing was that the ads were not placed exactly right. They were supposed to be at the ends of like scenes and stuff, but they actually put them like a second early. So like the music would still be playing and then the ad would immediately start and then it would come oh, back no. into that scene. Oh. And uh, yeah, so like Doc Holliday's death is like cut off by an ad for IMDPD TV. Oh, that's tragic. That's a different kind of tragic. Uh, but okay, let's uh, let's begin with our synopsis, uh, written by our very own Joey. Uh, let's go ahead. Tombstone is the true story of Wyatt Earp and his role in the famous Western event called the Gunfight at the OK Corral. Earp, his wife his brothers, and their wives all reached the town of Tombstone in the Arizona Territory. Tombstone is home to a number of iconic Western characters, including Wyatt's old friend Doc Holliday. The county sheriff, John Behan, an actress named Josephine, and a gang of violent criminals called the Cowboys. The Cowboys basically run the town with their superior numbers and their propensity for violence. Wyatt and his brothers take a card table at the local saloon and start making a profit but tensions rise in the town where the leader of the Cowboys kills the town sheriff, and he has to go to trial. Wyatt, as a former lawman, is propositioned by the mayor to take up the mantle of sheriff. But Wyatt refuses, determined to move on with his life. Wyatt's brother Virgil is unable to ignore the people's blight, however, and takes the mayor's offer. He posts a new law that says that there are to be no guns in town. This angers the Cowboys, and they refuse to comply. Virgil convinces Wyatt to back him, and their posse shows up at the OK Corral to confiscate the Cowboys' guns. The Cowboys resist, and a shootout occurs. Three of the Cowboys are killed. In retaliation, the gang shoots Virgil and kills Wyatt's other brother, Morgan. This sends Wyatt into a rage, and he assembles his posse of local gunslingers to track down the Cowboys and make them pay. 
a montage of murder occurs, ending with a duel between Doc Holliday and the cowboy Johnny Ringo. Doc Holliday dies of tuberculosis or some other disease after saying goodbye to Wyatt, and Wyatt goes off to find Josephine. He tells her that he has nothing to offer except his love, and she tells him not to worry because her family is rich, and they live happily ever after. The end. She's like, I'm rich, bitch. Everything is solved. <laughs> Room service every day. That's right. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's get started with our pros and our cons. Nick, what did you like about Tombstone? Uh, number one on the board, and this is going to be my thorough line for the entire thing, a tale of morality and vengeance in the Old West. It's all I'm, all I'm here for. Kurt Russell, all them, just a, a, a side bonus. Um, it's, a, it's a band of literal and figurative brothers sticking by each other's side, uh, and it's very atmospheric. Almost every setting in this film is perfect. Very cool. All right, what about you, Turner? Uh, for me, this movie is very nostalgic. Um, it just reminds me of my dad. <laughs> it's funny as that is to say. Uh, uh, Doc was always one of my favorite characters uh, growing up, and uh, I felt like this movie played out like a tabletop role-playing game, uh, asking people for quests and uh, dealing with the the single ill that uh, takes care of town, I guess. Yeah, no, I really like that. I totally agree. It definitely feels like that. What about you, Joey? Uh, just great acting from all of our actors, a really consistent and great atmosphere, just like Nick said. Um, all the characters are really interesting and full which, again, maybe that lends itself to the RPG feel, uh, based on a true story, which I think makes it uh, just a lot more interesting. Um, and it's very detailed and has that classic Western feel, uh, like this movie was made decades before it actually was. I totally agree. This is a Western's Western. I, I mean, you could just list off all the classic Western stuff, the shootouts, the hats, the horses, the facial the hair. saloon. It was all there. Yeah, I, I mean... Um, I did, were there any, uh, tumbleweeds? Maybe that, maybe that's what they're missing. But other than that, they had everything you could think of that has to do with cowboy culture. I really liked the cinematography. I thought they had some, they did some ambitious things with the camera. Uh, it's an interesting plot for the most part. Great cast, especially Val Kilmer and Kurt Russell. They absolutely, they, they deliver and plenty of good tough guy lines. This movie is not short for quips. Uh, so Let's move on. That's what we liked. Let's move on to our cons. Nick, what did you not like about Tombstone? Uh, the first thing was Maddie's uh, addiction subplot. Um, Kurt, uh, Wyatt Earp's wife uh, is uh, addicted to opium, and we know this because it's just such a bother to Wyatt Earp. <laughs> it just makes his life such... It's so burdensome. <laughs> uh, I, I, you could have cut those out for me, uh, honestly. Um, any scene involving romance or sexuality, uh, there, there was one with a, a horse race, uh, and there was uh, Doc Holliday's house call. Uh, just, just big fumbles for me, you know, uh, very uncomfortable. Maybe things were different in theaters in 1993, but um, it just made me want to just fast forward. Uh, <laughs> I want to know more about Curly Bill and his gang. But I guess that's not this story. Um, maybe you could have filled in the, the, the horse race with just a bit more of that. Because the, the, the opening uh, features them heavily. And it's beautiful. And my final thing is that uh, every sing as far as uh, you know, plenty of good tough guy lines go, 
every single one of Bill Paxton's lines uh, are him saying to the camera, I'm going to die later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so Just telegraphed too hard. <laughs> um, okay, well, what about you, Turner? What did you not like about Tombstone? Uh, I feel like Nick and I similarly had uh, had uh, icky feelings about the early 90s misogyny that is uh, just, you know, rampant throughout the film. Uh, writing is at times uh, completely uninspired and then in at times completely inspired. So uh, kind of a huge deviation between those two. Uh, endless bullets. I hate that. Count your bullets. Um, and uh, sympathy for uh, the murderer, Wyatt, uh, Wyatt Earp, that just murders everyone. No sympathy for him. Fair. Yeah. I, I could not agree more. Um, for me, this movie just doesn't go deep enough. This story is one of the most well-known and over-told stories in like Western hi- history. And for them to do basically the same thing is really disappointing. Um, they're really concerned with Wyatt Earp's appearance, even though he's been dead for more than 60 years, like again, supporting him so much without being critical of him, I think is a missed opportunity. And honestly, some parts of it felt kind of boring. There were, you know, Hey, we're going out and shooting all the guys now with no consequences to us. You know, uh, at that point, it's just like, okay, what, what are we, what are we watching again? Was this a tale of morality or is this a, like a, you know, a violence spree you know it basically kind of changes on a dime there and it becomes a lot less interesting to me and Mm. uh yeah i I definitely echo a lot of what you guys have already said i I think this this movie has a lot of characters that seem like they had so much potential and in the end they end up being one-dimensional i think curly bill like nick said is a really good example of this like he seems so freaking interesting but we it's limited the amount we get to learn about him I think there's too many names to remember also like it actually that's kind of remind, reminds me of a, a being a tabletop game session because that's I'm I have a tough time with names sometimes <laughs> and there were a lot of guys who were like this is a main character this is here's his first and last name and now just remember that forever and then uh, and it's also difficult to distinguish like a bunch of white guys with mustaches. Uh, maybe that's just <laughs> historically accurate, but it was tough for me. <laughs> and um, and then I also think that the ending kind of drags and is a little bit anticlimactic. It felt like the movie was building to something that could have been greater than what we got. Um, and maybe we will uncover what that is in our overall section. So we've brought the redemption arc here to talk to us uh, about this movie. And we've uh, picked out some questions for you guys. Uh, that we're hoping uh, will provide some insight on this movie. Joey, why don't you go ahead with our first question? So you could have picked any movie. We asked you guys, hey, you want to be on the podcast, but we didn't ask you specifically what movie you wanted to do. And then you said you want to do Tombstone. So why did you pick Tombstone over any other movie you could have picked? Uh, That was all me. Um, We had just watched uh, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre for our, our, our little podcast, and it... It had pretty much every element that I love about westerns, except for the the you know the shootouts and the the this movie was the perfect follow up, I think, to uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. See what? Or at least I thought uh, after the fact. You know, it it is kind of just another western, um, but. Uh, I was just really in the mood for it. You wanted to follow a bad Western with a good Western. That makes sense, you know? Well, that's the thing. That was, uh, that was a good Western, Treasure, oh, Treasure really? of the Sierra Madre, at least to me. Uh, we, were, we were doing a little switchy for a, a switcheroo 
for April Fool's Day. Oh, that's I like that. So do we. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's a breather. Yeah, we do. It's very refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys are very brave for taking on the uh, the low rated ones on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, right. Joey and I so get we get we get upset when we are have to uh, spend time on one movie that turns out being bad, you know, along a line of other proven great films. Uh, so it's you guys are doing the heavy lifting. It, thank you for recognizing. It makes it all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so what what's the deal with the Sierra, the Treasure of the Sierra Madre? Is that like a hundred percent rated on Rotten Tomatoes? Yep. Yes, that is okay. correct. Uh, among others, such oh uh, others such as Toy Story two and until recently Citizen Kane. That's um, right. I just I saw that uh, yeah. eighty year old review got added, and now it's no longer at a hundred percent. It's the one thing we um, do when we missed our chance. <laughs> yeah, you should have should have taken it down a peg. Um, yeah. So Nick, do you? Uh, oh, Nick picked it. So Turner, do you have any comments about this movie about why it was picked? Uh, yeah. Again, uh, I mean, Nick picked it, but uh, this is one of my dad's favorite movies. Uh, this is part of the three DVDs that my dad owns besides like this the crow and terminator maybe um so uh, this movie's always been kind of important to me at least like growing up and it's really interesting watching it probably you know 10 years later and getting new eyes on it uh very refreshing so yeah i mean overall i i, I feel like i enjoyed it just having a little bit of hindsight on it too which is good okay so let's move to the next question um, what about this movie speaks to you guys personally? And we'll, we'll start with Turner this time. So, uh, what speaks to me personally about this movie? I feel like I'm restating it for a, an essay or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my father's side of the family, they all live in Arizona. So it's funny when they talk about, um, you know, different locales in Arizona, I'm like, oh, I have, I have family that lives there. Um, and I have been to uh, Tombstone, Arizona. I went there once as a as a kid and uh, almost got into the Birdcage Theater, but they wanted you know fifteen bucks a head for a family of ten, and uh, a little bit too a little bit too much for us. So uh, okay. yeah, wow. I have I have been there, and uh, I remember uh, very vividly someone being taken away in, by an ambulance um, from the bar. So. That's my memory of Tombstone, Arizona. <laughs> so to- Tombstone hasn't changed much. It's still about getting rich quick, yeah. and uh, the saloons are still a violent place. <laughs> That's right. Full of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, uh, what about you, Nick? Uh, I just love, um, you know, Western stories. Uh, I like, you know, um, stories about gangs of friends um, that that you're touching upon, like the morality play of it all. You know, uh, refusing the the call to do the right thing uh, and being the only man for the job. Um, and you know, people riding horses on dirt with guns at their hip. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, no, I totally agree with all that. Like, it's it's a western's western. Like, if you love the classic aspects of a western film, this this movie is great. Like, this movie really lets you indulge in those things. Oh, yeah. Uh, so much so to the point that it almost got to be like too much, too much of a good thing at the end. But, uh, you know, overall, a very, very kind of fulfilling cowboy movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. OK, um, what does this movie remind you of in your own life or in other media? 
Uh, Nick, do you want to answer this one? Uh, well, nothing in my own life. You know, I, I am very happy to be living in 2021 where I don't have to worry about tuberculosis <laughs> at the bottom of everything else that happens in this movie. Um, I am reminded of a few of my favorite things. Uh, Bone Tomahawk, which is a great, uh, like a Western gory horror film from about like five years back or so, um, starring Kurt Russell. Uh, now that I've seen Tombstone, this was my first watch through, uh, I can tell that uh, Kurt Russell was basically channeling old Wyatt Earp, and it just makes it that much better. Hmm. Um, I was reminded a bit of uh, Archer, the show, uh, just because the second half of this was just <laughs> one big rampage. Yes, I was thinking that too. <laughs> when the second <laughs> one came on, show. I thought, like, they're fucking with me. They're fucking with me right now. <laughs> Uh, and of course, um, the, the cover art for Marty Robbins's gunfighter ballads and trail songs. Uh, I was, I, I tried to keep it out of my head for most of the movie. And then halfway through they had, uh, someone singing Red River Valley and, uh, just transported right back. I'm looking that up right now. Oh, oh cool. it's, it's like this red, it's like this kind of red pink background and there's like a guy in a, an all black with a gun on his hip and he's like about to draw it. Yeah. He's the man with the big iron. <laughs> Very cool. Yes. No, it, it definitely fits in so well with this uh, in that way, I think. it Just like Benjamin's been saying, it's it's a Western's Western. It's so quintessential in that, and all of the elements in it are like that. Mm -hmm. uh, what about you, Turner? Uh, this reminds me of my, my parents telling me that uh, if they were going to have two sons, uh, my brother's name would have been Wyatt. Um, so then, uh, potentially my brother's name would have been Wyatt, so I guess I have that. Um, <laughs> my sister's wow. name is Kendra, but uh, it's unrelated. <laughs> I gotta I say, Turner Earp has a good ring to it. Turner it does, Earp. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was surprised that the main character's name wasn't John. Like, I, I just felt like it's, that's quintessential just Western white protagonist, mm -hmm. but Wyatt yeah. definitely uh, going a little bit off the beaten path. So, um, I mean, we've kind of been circling this idea, but like how familiar with Western films as a genre are you guys? And how do you feel that this movie fits in with the genre at large? Like, does it hold up? And uh, either one of you, whoever feels the most strongly can go first. You want to take a turner? Uh, sure. Yeah, I, uh, I've only seen a couple of Westerns. Uh, in fact, just recently watching uh, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre has got to be, you know, I probably couldn't even count on two hands the number of Westerns I'd seen. Uh, <laughs> but to me, this is the this is the most this is like Western amped to like a thousand. Uh, I feel like I've seen this movie more than I've seen Westerns, if that makes any sense. Like I've, I've seen this movie probably like, you know, 15 times. So. Um, oh wow all the way yeah. through yeah my dad really likes this movie a lot <laughs> <laughs> i can tell <laughs> um yeah no but uh yeah that's that's just kind of that's my experience with it I, I was actually um just thinking about like this question in general like our generation or like our lifetime i would say hasn't been the western era necessarily like if you want to be well versed in westerns i feel like you have to go back in time and watch movies that came out you know, either when we were really young or because this this movie is not an early Western at all. This movie is almost like late stage Western. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's interesting to think about like what that would mean for our 
like us as an audience like can you think of like who's the most iconic cowboy from your lifetime uh like who's the like quintessential maybe quintessential is the wrong question but like the most relevant cowboy that i can think of from my lifetime is woody from toy story like he's yeah. like probably the most notable cowboy like classic just cowboy uh that i can think of i'm i'm torn between um john marston and um man i forget his name but daniel craig's character in cowboys and aliens yes <laughs> yes <laughs> i know yeah daniel craig does come to mind but just because he's such like a i don't know he's like a old timey actor in a way because he plays bond too he's just kind of a classic like uh man's man in a way but yeah james marston's a good answer too because he because of westworld at the very least but um oh I, like, sorry i i, I was yeah. saying the uh the video game character john marston yeah, which, oh i guess Red speaks Dead. to how <laughs> i'm thinking, of, examples else, I'm thinking of the other guy <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i think yeah i think it's it's kind of more of a uh yeah it's just a, a it's evidence of the time because now cowboys are such a um like i almost think of like halloween costumes where it's like what's more generic than like a cowboy or like a pirate or a ninja i mean these things are the result of stories that have been told over and over throughout the years but at this point we don't really have real life cowboys anymore or anything that's new it's all kind of referential to a, a bygone era mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's been taken over by superheroes Yes, <laughs> that's our modern day uh, cowboys. I mean, we have McCree in Overwatch, who's I think uh, a combination of a superhero and a cowboy almost. Uh-huh. Um, but okay, speaking more of, about cowboys at large, uh, what are your thoughts on the gunfight at the OK Corral? This is considered one of the most famous shootouts in Western imagery. In your opinion, did it live up to the legend? Uh, you know, straight off, straight off the bat, the, the gunfight at the OK Corral was bad. People <laughs> died, and that shouldn't have happened. That said, the scene itself was, um, you know, it, it was shot very... I, I was astounded at the quickness of the cuts uh, and how much I was still able to understand what was going on, um, which wasn't completely... But it was enough to realize, like, this is a hectic moment. Uh, it's, it's the kind of historical moment that is over in seconds. And uh, they, really, they really captured it in the film. Um, I'm not too knowledgeable about the legend, but it, it seems like they went out of their way to make it as accurate as possible. I, I did a little bit of reading about it, and they actually did a lot of in like things that seemed like to like a creative choice in the beginning as like for specifically who got shot uh but those turned out to be the actual people who got shot like three people did die um wyatt's brothers got shot but he didn't and uh and and i don't know i think that it's more meaningful when they're recreating something that really happened as opposed to just choosing to not have wyatt get shot because you could argue plot armor it's like oh the good guys live but the bad guys die and the main character doesn't get hit like that's convenient but it's also part of why the fight is so legendary is because this is how it actually happened yeah Wyatt Earp was never touched by a bullet in his life <laughs> crazy it's probably because he spent the last like part of it in in Hollywood making cowboy movies but right. not once <laughs> Well, it's 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 something I wish that they had harped on a little bit more. Like I know that the scene in the swamp gunfight ends up 
focusing on it like straight up and 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 kind of pointing out it's like it's a miracle that he wasn't shot but <laughs> at the same time i kind of wish that they had leaned a little bit more into that and been like i can't believe i wasn't shot after the okay corral or, or just bring this kind of overarching idea that wyatt earp is maybe you know divinely chosen or there's some reason why he's he's this lucky or, or that's just like his thing um it, it kind of seemed like they just threw that in at the end it's like oh look this miraculous one situation just happened when the truth is that his entire life he was incredibly lucky in these situations right yeah Tur- turner do you have something to add to that uh yeah i mean uh, i feel like uh outside of uh history class and in, in school i mean that was that was the last that I heard of the OK Corral and then my family in Arizona. So there's a little bit of that. But uh, I mean, do they even do they even teach that in school anymore? I feel like that's such an old person thing to say. Um, uh, that might have just been a see me thing. Maybe. Very true. Um, <laughs> very uh, popular there. Yes, <laughs> that is very true that uh, we have that background as well. Um, I mean, uh, I felt like the movie uh, and and. Uh, Nick was talking about this a, a bit when we were watching it together, uh, but it just kind of felt like the movie was sandwiched. Uh, there was like a sandwich of plot on either side of the shootout, and it um, I don't I I mean it was it was full of uh, action and um, uh, I forget uh, the the love interest of of Wyatt uh, Josephine. Bags of money, Marcus, Josephine, Josephine, bags of Marcus money. Pleased to meet you. And that she was just in the building next door to everyone shooting each other, and was being fired upon when one of the cowboys went into, I guess, her dressing room or something. I, I don't know. It was. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, there were a lot of guns and shooting. So, uh, if that's what you came there for, that's what you get. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. an interesting thing to have is like, especially the way that she, uh, interacted with Wyatt at, right after that. And in, in other instances of the movie where they kind of substituted meaningful exchanges for just meaningful glances. <laughs> uh, it was more of just like, Oh, we locked eyes. And then even, uh, Sheriff Behan was like, I see what you guys have been doing. It's like, what have we been doing? We've been looking at Yeah. What exactly have we been doing? Just everyone. avoiding each other. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing. Uh, and, and again, like th- I actually was pretty interested. I thought it was pretty, uh, spicy watching them ride the horses together and then talk to each other, but they're both taken, but they <laughs> both like want something new like that. I thought that was well set up. And then, uh, but beyond that, yeah, having her just be next door to the sh- of the shooting or just looking at him, um, I felt like it, they never reached that height again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, I feel like this movie doesn't put a lot of a weight on the OK Corral. Like, it's, it's kind of a turning point in a way, but everything was kind of building up to it. It felt like very natural that it would happen. But it wasn't like there was a lingering moment where they're like, oh, here's the OK Corral. You know, it's like, and here we are at this famous moment um you know there's not a lot of emphasis put on it it's really that's not even like the climax of the movie the climax of the movie comes during the rampage so um maybe that's more historically accurate but for a movie that's like very like much trying to tell like an interesting story it's it's weird that they don't focus more on this like event that's so famous i guess Hmm. yeah it's sort of like a a two-hour-long tall tale rather than like here is this hero's like you know, rise and fall. Right. 
Also, I'll just throw this in. Uh, apparently, despite the name of it being the gunfight at the OK Corral, it, it didn't actually happen there. It happened six doors down the street at C.S. Fly's photographic studio. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's just that's not as catchy. Nope. Doesn't so, fly yeah. off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, OK, so our next question. What was the point of Billy Breckenridge? Okay, so th- this was the guy uh, who I think maybe was supposed to represent the moderate opinion of the people of the town of Tombstone. Like it, it seems like the Cowboys were trying to win his approval throughout the film, but he ends up rejecting them when they start to spiral out of control at the end. So uh, uh, what did you think of Billy Breckenridge? Hmm. Uh, uh, Turner, you want to take that? Yeah, I... Um, I uh, it's funny. Uh, I had to look up who that was uh, when when post. Uh, yeah, uh, I did too. Post- I didn't. Yeah, know I was, <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm sorry, but I just kind of felt like Billy was, uh, and I wrote this down. I I just have to say it was just a bit milk toast. Uh, I guess he was he he maybe was trying to feel like almost like the audience in uh, you know their sway of of mm. of the uh, of the law, but. Um, I didn't really care for him much, so I'd really, I really there's so many other people to keep track of. I, I really didn't pay him much mind, unfortunately. He was always catching my eye, and I didn't I didn't know who we were talking about until uh, I saw that it was the the glasses guy because the right. glasses guy was always kind of picking up my eye um, it, whenever he was like in a scene because he did a lot of stuff that was sort of in the background at the forefront like he he was very much into um josephine's actor friend uh very much into like the stage um cared a lot about uh the arts Uh, it seemed to me like they were kind of um you know i I don't know there there were some implications that i could take and stretch and make into like a a netflix hour-long tv thing but uh it, 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 it for the most part, was distracting until uh, near the end when, uh, after seeing that actor that he likes um, having been shot and killed by the Cowboys, uh, he puts his foot down. Uh, he kind of breaks off from the farcical Cowboys with badges uh, that are roaming around and goes to help out Wyatt. And I think that's um, outside of his own personal journey. I think it's part of the Wyatt Earp myth where uh, he's this, you know, he's, he's retired uh cop basically uh who's pulled out of retirement to you know set the law right because no one else will um and once he starts doing that job to the max uh it inspires others to uh, stand by what is right Mm. and i yeah i think that's definitely what they're going for um but i think at the same time the way you put that where he was like in the background but also in the in the forefront because all the things that he does in the beginning it's like the movie wants you to pay attention to what he's doing but i also didn't know who the hell he was he yeah. was just the glasses guy you know so i was like i'm not sure why i should care but that guy seems to really appreciate the theater you know like it, it didn't I, I couldn't really tell and and it finally meant something to me when he put his foot down in the end um so i think that's good and i'm glad that or, or rather i uh i think it's interesting that the final straw for him was when the cowboys killed the himbo uh who everybody loved from the uh from the theater yeah and everybody mm-hmm. loved that guy and uh <laughs> yeah i was equally distraught when i saw him die man the gay subtext in this film i could just swim in it <laughs> it really oh, is. makes me so happy 
Um, it's it's partially something that I appreciate, um, and it's also something I feel like sets this movie apart is that the like villains um, did like they they're a little more complex than just like rough and tumble bad guys. Like if you did something to them, you weren't going to just get shot immediately. They had kind of like their own reputation that they cared about. They cared about the arts. Like they, they were a little bit more complex than just being like, Hey, did you look at me wrong? And then like shoot at them, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That still oh, did happen, but that, yeah. Yeah, there was, there was more, there was more to them than that, which I thought made them interesting. And like, and like you guys said earlier, like, it's uh, it would be nice to spend more time with them and kind of get a little bit more of their perspective on the situation. Um, yeah, For instance, yeah focusing like, so much on Herb. Right. Well, like um, having them protest the gunfight at the OK Corral instead of just immediately uh, shooting back or, or like immediately riding on the town, they kind of build it up and, and also try to sway the public opinion by having a banner that says murder the streets of tombstone you know like <laughs> they they play they're not just brute force i guess is what i'm trying to say and, yeah uh, even and I at their appreciate worst that. yeah yeah uh, uh mm-hmm. what curly, curly bill has the the scene that kind of you know sets everything off he uh he shoots sheriff sheriff white but like it's it's glossed over pretty quickly that's an accident it's a very clear accident and he like pretty clearly regrets it immediately um, yes. And he still goes on to be like the big bad guy uh, outside of, you know, uh, Texas Jack or whoever Doc Holliday killed. Right. Uh, Giant Ringo. Okay. Here's a, here's a fun question for you. This movie features many Western nicknames like Curly Bill Brocious, Texas Jack Vermilion, and Turkey Creek Jack Johnson. If you lived back in the 1800s American frontier, what would your nickname be? Uh, Turner, you got us? Uh, I have something, but, and you can cut this out, but seeing <laughs> Nick, I, I also have, I was awarded a, a nickname that night, but uh, I came up with uh, Turner Tappan Boots Dohan because nice. uh, I cannot uh, keep my, I can't keep my legs still. So <laughs> I feel like it would be more of a, nice. an insult kind of nickname, but one none the, nonetheless. It's good. Alliterative enough, yes. you know? It's got I a like lot it. to it. Uh, I I have already been given a name uh, after enough um, drunk poker. Uh, I, I have earned myself the name River Nick. Um, <laughs> and it's not the best, but it's mine. Yeah. Yeah, it has authenticity. Yeah, uh, no, I like both of these because they have like double entendres to them, right? Like tapping boots could be like you know you're dancing but also like you're fidgety and then uh river nick could be like he's in a river he's like the outdoors guy but he's also like a poker fiend so he's he's always out there playing texas hold'em waiting for that river to float you got me to a t i was uh i was also awarded a nickname that very same night uh i was flop turner because (laughs) a little less fortunate Benjamin, what's yours? Um, I went with Borracho Ben, uh, which pronounced by the other, you know, Western cowboys, I assume would be more close to Borracho Ben, uh, which is Spanish for drunk. And it's also the name of a town in Texas. So maybe that's where I'm from uh, in Uh. in my cowboy backstory. But uh, that would be my nickname, Borracho Ben. You guys, you guys have a lot of good ones. What What about you, Joey? I got a skinny, fidgety Joey. So, um, 
can't have two adjectives. <laughs> sure I can. I can have all the adjectives I want. <laughs> Fidgety Joey was already taken. <laughs> Specifically, yeah. Specifically the one skinny those. one. <laughs> That's right. That's like uh, in Muppets uh, Treasure Island where he's like, we got old Tom and real old Tom and right. dead Tom. <laughs> Exactly. Um, okay, well, those are great. I'm glad we could all we could all join in. This movie has enough room for more like men with uh, Western names, so we could plug ourselves right definitely. in. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, one final question for you guys before we kind of just open it up to general conversation. In this film, Wyatt reflects on what he wants from life. What do you think he learns, and what do you think of this message? Uh, Wyatt, I, it's just why the end messes me up, because the last thing he says is, we're going to have room service every night, and it's not, it, that's part of it, but that's not it, you know? I feel like that shouldn't be the end. Wyatt wants comfort and quietude after, like, uh, he, he describes, like, he, he only killed one guy, but it's been eating him for years. Sometimes he wishes he was the one who died instead of, you know, that guy. Like, it's... It weighs heavily on him. He just wants to be left alone. He wants to do what he thinks is the right thing without having it be hard. Um, but he, he learns that uh, that life of comfort and quiet is something you have to give yourself. Um, and he has to like let his other life catch up to him to let that happen. It's pretty basic revenge stuff. Um, but in 1993, this must have been you know groundbreaking. And uh, hearing hearing Kurt, hearing escape from New York say, man, I wish I didn't kill that guy like <laughs> your dad lost his shit in the theater. No, I totally agree. I, I think that's an all, that's also kind of a good twist on it is like not is having him be a good killer, but also be remorseful about the killer. Right. Um, makes it more interesting and, and makes death have it, the weight. I think that's appropriate for death instead of just being nonchalant. Mm-hmm. Something he still doesn't get in the movie. Right. Turner, what what were your thoughts? Um, I mean, I was thinking he just, I think he just goes for a hard reset. I mean, apparently he's just gone around just murdering a whole bunch of people with zero repercussions. <laughs> and he's like, hey, you know what? Uh, this actress has a lot of money and I can eat re- room service every night. And uh, the end, like probably literally just uh, Nick and I were joking. We were waiting for the branded like the end to stomp onto the screen and like the fire to burn like the rest of the film uh as one would do in a in a western ending um yeah i just uh i don't know just zero repercussions for his actions i mean he lost his brother and you know that's that's awful and that sucks but i don't know yeah it is interesting that like kind of his previous life He's just able to leave it behind almost with no uh, guilt or remorse or any recollection. He just is like, well, on to my new life, and this is great. Uh, even though my brother's, uh, well, I guess Virgil, maybe he still gets to see Virgil if he visits him or something. But um, like his old wife, pff, who needs her? I mean, yeah. she died evidently, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just on to my new life. Um, but I don't know. I think there is something to being open to changing the way you live your life to to something that is more aligned with your values. If your values change, or maybe you learn something about yourself where you want to do something else. Um, like, I, I think that there's something there, but at the same time, kind of like you said, like it it feels like he almost has no consequences in that, uh, journey where it just kind of all works out. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm really, I'm really confused about like what that, what he's ultimately he's choosing because early on in the story, you kind of get this idea that he's kind of a man of two worlds, right? He used to be this man of the frontier, like on the front lines, like law and order, uh, you know, dealing with the the dirt and the dust and like the grime um, that was in like the, whatever town he was seeing over. And now he's trying to leave that behind to become like, you know, a capitalist. He's trying to become a business owner and move into the new era that the U.S. is also moving into um, at the same time. But he's but he's useful to these people in power. Like the mayor is always propositioning him to go back into law enforcement and everything because he wants to be in that new world, but he's still very much part of the old world. And so he's trying to change. And it's something that he says to Doc Holliday, right? It's like people can change. Um, and he wants to change really badly, but ultimately he can't because he goes back and goes on this murder rampage, very much going back into his old ways. So what does the choice of Josephine really signify? She's like kind of like this in between so she's like a third option right she's like a uh, part of the frontier because she's like wild and free but she doesn't have to worry about anything and she like all of her material comforts are taken care of so i don't really know what that what she's supposed to signify when it's clear that he's being pushed in these two different directions throughout the rest of the movie she's the escape rope she's the answer to all the questions <laughs> in in one sure. easy uh package <laughs> Yeah, I, I was thinking that, like, uh, e even in scenes where, you know, Wyatt isn't directly involved, like, uh, there's, a, there's a part where she uh, walks in to Wyatt's wife and, and you know, um, his brother's wives uh, to their house, and it's like, I think something terrible is going to happen, saving them from a gunman who was, like, three steps right behind her. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, she, that's what she does the entire movie, is like, something bad's going to happen, we don't have a way to fix it. Uh, Josephine. Right. I, she is kind of a catch-all in that way, right? And I don't really know what that, um, I don't know what that means f as a choice. Because the other thing that's confusing about Wyatt is that he doesn't really seem to have a lot of, like, he doesn't really seem to think deeply about things, right? They ask him what he thinks about, <laughs> what he thinks happens when he dies. He's like, I don't know, something, probably. <laughs> um, and then he gets into, like, that whole that whole conversation with doc about like, what is, what motivates a man? You know, he seems like, and whoops. And uh, like, what motivates a man? What, um, what drives him to do this kind of thing? And he doesn't really seem to, I don't know. It's because he can't really put himself in another person's shoes, I guess. And then there's that, uh, what was that other scene where he's talking about how he wants to, he knows what he wants with his life now. Cause Josephine finally gave him like a new answer. Um, like, again, it's like he never considered that before. Like, his idea was just like, oh, I'm going to go in here and make money. It, it Like, he never really got that. He never really uh, contemplated that so uh, deeply. Um, I don't know. It, it's just confusing to me a little bit uh, about what he really wants, I guess. It yeah, makes I, him, uh, he's interesting, but he's he doesn't have that depth that you would expect from, like, um, someone who's so uh, motivated. Well, I think there's something to be said about the real Wyatt Earp kind of ending up in a similar way. Like, he really did leave his common-law wife for another woman, like, at this point. Like, that, that stuff did happen. But I also feel like it's a little less compelling for him to get what he wants, as, to, as opposed to him going on this journey of realization mm -hmm. and knowing what he wants, but never being able to have it. You know, like, some sort mm -hmm. of, like, tragic uh, where, like, situation where he now understands what he wants, but is uh, unable to satisfy that. Um, but I guess at the same time, it's like, 
they did want to kind of stick to the way it did happen for this guy. It sounds like he had a pretty awesome second half of his life. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's the question? <laughs> okay. So at this point, um, is there, I want to t- open up the floor. So is there anything else you guys want to discuss? Anything else you want to talk about um, in this movie that we haven't touched on yet? Um, yeah. Mm. Turner, you got anything? Um, you know, to, I, uh, I can't think of, I can't think of anything that would just be, uh, beating, beating a dead horse. Am I right? Um, (laughs) but, uh, uh, no, I, uh, I feel like, I feel like I've said my piece with this, uh, with this film. Uh, again, I, I have like a lot of, uh, I have a lot of nostalgia for it. So it's really interesting uh getting you know 2021 vision on on this kind of movie so yeah nice yeah what about you nick uh you know i watched i i did a rewatch recently of um blade i don't i don't know if i have to go back and watch more 90s movies now that i'm you know adult and not baby um because (laughs) i Going through these things that are like, you know, I know them, but I haven't really seen them all the way through or I don't recall exactly what happens. I realize that there are major points where I don't know if what's happening is good because it's good or what's happening is good because it's in this movie that's now famous. That set all these, you know, standards and and um, kind of paced every other thing in its genre. Which not to say yeah. that, you know, Tombstone was the beginning of the Western genre, but it was definitely a an attempt to harken back to what was once like the most popular genre in cinema and kind of bring it to the modern age with every movie star we've got. Bill Paxton's going to be there. <laughs> yes, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, like oh, such a yeah. good cowboy, cowboy. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm surprised that guy's even like, I'm, are we sure that his real life persona isn't a cowboy because like he's just perfect for that um so yeah i i um yeah i totally agree does someone watch his town while he's on set (laughs) right yeah because he's actually the sheriff of real town yeah i think i think this movie does have a lot i think it deals a lot with nostalgia um not just for you turner but like in its in its very tone right it's very much hearkening back to an older period of time yeah um and it's recalling that stuff and i think in a many ways it's delivering well on that promise but i also my biggest problem with this movie is i don't feel like i need that anymore you know at this point of wit like even in the 90s like we were already really critical about like our own media and our and westerns specifically i mean we did unforgiven on this podcast and that movie came out a year before this one uh-huh. and that and that one is such it's a satire almost of classic westerns it's taking the western tropes and everything and showing you the same ideals but then showing you just how twisted that idea is if you take it to its logical conclusion it's such a dark and like like depressing movie because it takes this idea of like the lone gunman or like the 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 vigilante and and makes him out to be a terrible person which if you're looking at things uh, from history critically i think that's the same conclusion you would draw but this movie doesn't do that it takes it's it's very content with sitting on its laurels sitting back and saying you know this whole story with Wyatt Earp 
there's no need to reanalyze this. There was no controversy here. Wyatt Earp's a good guy. Uh, look at all the cool things he did. Um, but we've already had eight other movies about the OK Corral, like throughout history. Um, yeah. So why do we need another one that shows us Wyatt Earp again from the same uncritical view? He wears a black hat, but he doesn't do anything that I would say is like morally, uh, like uh, maybe he does through some sense morally reprehensible. Morally reprehensible. That's the word. There I'm it is. For. But he doesn't. Um, but the movie doesn't say that, right? If you're if you look at this movie and say, "Oh, White Earp's a bad person," I think you're probably really cynical because you're reading into the text that it isn't there. This movie is about glorifying him and making him out to be the epic lawman, the man's man, the thing we should all strive to be. Um, and I think that's like that's a missed opportunity. Because we should be more critical of this guy and what his role as a like a spirit of justice or like a role model for justice. Um, I think there's and even like if you going back to history, the the actual during the actual events of the OK Corral, it was very much shrouded in controversy. Wyatt Earp was not seen as a hero to many people. He was seen as like you know kind of a gray character. Some people liked him. Some people really hated him. So it was only after he died that these stories of like uh, lifting him up really came to be, um, which I think is really interesting because this movie is also really concerned with being historically accurate. Um, so uh, the fact that they don't take that approach and let the viewer decide how they should feel about him um, kind of throws it out the window because it does. It's not. It's so concerned with showing what really happened, but not to the point where it lets you choose for yourself. Um, and so in both of those things where it's trying to be a tale about morality, which we've already seen many times before, and a tale that's trying to be accurate, I think in both those areas, it, it falls short for me. And that like that's um, and that's like, uh, I don't know, it's just a, a little bit disappointing, I guess, especially for a movie from this era. Uh, I think you bring up an excellent point. And uh, why it's so refreshing to watch this movie now for me is that when I was younger, I was just like, oh, you know, all the Earp brothers, they were all like the good guys. And like everyone else that stood in the way of their bullets was the bad guys, I guess, you know? And so it's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I was very thankful to watch this movie again, just to see like, oh, uh, it's a lot more complicated than, you know, younger me as a kid watching cowboy movies and, you know, the implication of everything. Benjamin, what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, you, you, this is why I love doing podcasts with you because you're able to synthesize kind of <laughs> I, it was something I feel like I was also feeling, um, especially when you compare it to, uh, you know, just, you know, specifically Unforgiven. Um, it does feel like it, it. It this movie, I think, had the chance to be a little bit more critical of wider by humanizing kind of our villains. But once you start the rampage, there's we can no longer consider the cowboys to be anything human they're just bad guys their target practice um and that's disappointing because it kind of throws out um the chance for something a little bit more uh, compelling than just wow Wyatt Earp is the greatest um and also his <laughs> friends are all like similarly uh, like epic and unbeatable like I, I wasn't really that invested in the shootouts anymore by the time we got to the standoff between uh tricky what was his name Ringo uh <laughs> not tricky Johnny uh, Ringo <laughs> Yeah, Johnny Ringo and uh, and Doc. By that point, I was like, 
they're going to win, obviously. Like they, They've gotten yeah. through hordes of bad guys at this point, suffering no losses. It, it's, it's like it, it completely lost any sort of drama at that point. That's why I feel like it kind of peters out at the end. Um, maybe you could consider the OK Corral to be the climax because at that point, we still were grounded in some sort of reality with consequences. By the time we get through these monta- uh, montages of murder, it's like, OK, well, now he's gone superhero unstoppable mode uh, and standing in the middle of the creek while shooting at these guys and not getting hit makes perfect sense because there's just now he's superhuman. Right. I mean, that's the legend though, you know, and I think it does tell that legend really well. I mean, the, there's so much I think that you can say that's really good about this movie. I think the acting is impeccable. Doc Holliday is such a great character. The setting and the acting, I'm mean, not that the adding, but the, uh, like the clothes, the costumes, the whole, the um, mustaches, <laughs> The set, like the just like the environment that you're in, all of that stuff is so um, so beautifully like decorated and so beautifully shot, and it, it's like it has that same grainy kind of texture to it, like the film does, as like a classic western. So it really does fit into that so well, um, and I think it's really valuable from that perspective. Well, I I actually have one more like major thing I want to uh, touch on here. Um, it's it's actually what I think is my favorite scene, which is the show at the crowded bird cage theater, which I'm stoked to find out is a real place <laughs> still. Yeah. Uh, so first, the scene begins with a fantastic long cut that pans from the stage to the audience where you can see cowboys shoving folks out of their seats so that they can sit down, uh, which is cool, kind of shows you a, shows you an example of kind of their place in the community. Then the camera tracks up to the box seats where our main characters are sitting having their own conversations. All one big long cut, very cool. Love long cuts. Then when the show actually begins, we get to see what life was like for entertainers in the Old West. The juggler barely gets started before a bullet explodes one of his juggling (laughs) pins right in front of him. The reaction from the crowd gives no indication that this is unusual or even frowned upon. In fact, it's clear that even if the bullet had hit the juggler, the show would still have proceeded as planned. Later... The himbo, as, as I'm calling him, uh, gives a monologue from Shakespeare's Henry V, and he barely even flinches as bullets fly past him during the performance. That indicates to me that uh, he's, uh, not only is he used to this kind of treatment, but he's also a master of his craft. During the entirety of the show, the audience members are free to blurt out their thoughts and share whatever unspeakable acts they'd like to enact on the performers as loud as they'd like. Um, And all this got me thinking about the nature of performing throughout time. In contemporary times, a bad or offensive performance can send the online mob against you. Uh, It feels like the, uh, the internet has made it so there's always a risk to expressing yourself. But the truth is, it's always been risky to perform, whether it's getting canceled on Twitter or having insults and bullets hurled at you from the audience. Performers have always been at risk while doing what they do. I did not expect to get that kind of perspective from a Western, and I think it's further proof uh, that the four of us are brave for being podcasters. <laughs> hey, how dare you? I'm not brave for anything. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no, I, I really did enjoy that scene. I, uh, I, I, that one, it, I can't... Um, I mean, I guess Western performance or that kind of culture definitely exists in other Westerns, but I particularly like this uh, scene a lot. 
Yeah, it was very lively. Um, I, I was uh, also uh, that I was we're, okay. We were talking a lot about how like oh they're striving for accuracy. Just a quick precursory Google uh, told me that the guy that actually got shot at at the Birdcage Theater was shot at um, while doing um, one of those uh, you know trick of the eyes types things where someone would fire a blank at him and he would pretend to catch it oh. in his teeth. Oh, wow. And so someone so else says, hey, catch the this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, now that trick seems like a pretty stupid one to attempt in the old <laughs> It's yeah, just like, an What invitation. did you expect? Yeah. <laughs> You're just not shooting so them right. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, okay, well, we are going to take a uh, quick break, but stick around because when we come back, we're going to cover our cool Easter eggs and our quotable moments. Hi, this is Abel Schwarzenegger. This is DJ Jones, nose tackle for the San Francisco 49ers. This is Squilliam Fancy Signed from Band Class. And you're listening to Affable Chat. My favorite podcast. Good eye. I'm an Australian wildlife expert. When I'm out in the outback, I love listening to Affable Chat. It's the best podcast ever. Even the animals love it too. This is Corey Novotny. This is Donnie Dolphin. Oh, it's me, Danny Zuko from Greece. This is Ghislaine Maxwell, and you're listening to Affable Chat. And we're back with the redemption arc. Next up, we're going to be talking about our cool Easter eggs. And we're going to start with Turner. Turner, what are your cool Easter eggs? So what I brought for this movie uh, was... Looking up, I was really excited. I thought that this was going to be filmed in Tombstone, Arizona. Uh, I'm also incredibly gullible, so I'll lead with that as well. Uh, (laughs) But uh, this was not filmed in Tombstone, Arizona, but it was filmed in Arizona. Um, So they probably just picked a spot out in the desert or something like that. Uh, There were a couple of scenes, especially with the horse racing. They, They were definitely in northern Arizona. It had more of a there's a lot more trees, a lot more mountainous in like the Flagstaff area. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Mm. And then uh, I was looking up uh, the composer Bruce uh, Brought- Broughton, I believe it is. Bruce Broughton mm-hmm. uh, also composed such memorable pieces as Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, uh, Lost in Space, another uh, late 90s flick. Uh, and a movie that we watched, uh, Shadow Conspiracy. Get the fuck out. Yeah. That? <laughs> wow. That was the one with um, uh, Charlie Sheen, no? Yes, it was. Wow. Charlie Sheen. What a step up. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I thought the music was awesome in this. It's such so classic, like, Western. I don't even know what those instruments would be, but it's just like, it's not like the, uh, what's it, the, I don't know how to do that, like the whistle, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have a lot of that, but it was just you know like the drums, uh, like heavy percussion and like the string instruments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, not quite the the Morricone, but definitely like flavored off of it. It It's very well done. What about you, Nick? What uh, what are your cool Easter eggs? Uh, The first thing is the first thing I ever knew about this movie. I've been carrying it around since I was eight, and finally it's coming uh, to be useful. Uh, (laughs) Perfect. The scene where Doc Holliday, spoiler alert, dies, uh, uh, Val Kilmer is laying down on a bed of ice. 
Oh, wow, to that's why he's so like, wet? You know, p- pathetic, I guess. Um, and <laughs> this, knowing that the whole time made me really kind of analyze uh, Doc Holliday, Val Kilmer. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much of this movie is him, like, you know, acting, and how much of it is him, like, being strange Val Kilmer. But he, uh, he act, walks like, a line actively very dying quickly. in front of you. <laughs> he was really sweaty. He, like, he does not. He does not look good in this movie. And, like that's that's one of the things I like the most about Doc Holliday and about Val Kilmer's performance in this is that he just does not look good. Like he looks really shitty throughout the whole movie. He looks like he's about to keel over. So like it's just kind of brave of you to put your face on screen and be so pale and sweaty the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was trying to figure out if it was memorable character still. Yeah, well, like I was trying to figure out if it was intentional or not because it's Arizona. Like I assume you might sweat when you're wearing. Nobody all else this is hot. Though. Nobody else looks that's like the thing. that. It would cut from him to everyone else. It's like he has multiple beads of sweat that have collected on his face, and then they go to Russ, Kurt Russell, and he just is picturesque, perfect, no sweat at all. So it was yeah, very, I would say yeah, definitely a brave performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a braver performance it could have been because uh, Doc Holliday was almost <laughs> Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin, the Boondock wow. Saints guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. We love Willem Dafoe. We yeah, do love Willem so Dafoe. do I. But uh, the studio refused him, Buena Vista, because he was in The Last Temptation of Christ, which, you know, it's neither here nor there. Why, <laughs> yeah. what, what is that? Oh, so he was in that instead, you mean? Oh, did he make it instead? Uh, yeah, so why was he? Why did they refuse him? Oh, I think they just didn't like that he was in a movie um, de- depicting that kind of stuff. I I really mm. don't oh, know much more than that, but mm. they they refused him because of that association. Interesting. Wow. And so Val Kilmer was like, "Finally, get to lay down on some <laughs> <My> ice." Chance. <laughs> I'm so glad that I missed out on that Jesus role. I guess I can be <laughs> Doc Holiday. <laughs> Uh, and uh, third and finally, one of my favorite types of um, trivia pieces. Uh, when Virgil returns into the saloon uh, and collapses after being shot uh, during the rainy night, kind of uh, halfway through the movie, Kurt Russell bangs Sam Elliott's head on the bar as he's lifting him up to lay him flat on the floor. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oops. <laughs> you, you just couldn't even talk to him anymore, right? Like the, the scene would be cut, and that would be the last you yeah. ever spoke to Sam. Yeah, gotta leave it. Sam gotta Elliot. leave it in there. <laughs> Both of them. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, um, that's all uh, I got. Okay, well, I'll, uh, I've only got one, um, and this one feels like it's like this one feels like, and also is the first entry under the IMDb trivia section for this movie. But uh, when Wyatt enters uh, Tombstone, you can see a grave marker in the cemetery that reads, "Here lies Lester Moore, four slugs from a forty-four, no less, no more." And there's an actual tombstone in Tombstone, Arizona that has that epitaph. Oh my god, Wait, I've nice. seen that. Wait I've a seen that. <laughs> Are we being very laissez-faire with the term tombstone here? That is an eight-foot-tall <laughs> piece of plywood. <laughs> that is a large popsicle stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yes, this not look like any other But you've seen it, Turner. Seen. Oh yeah, no. Uh, I mean, Tombstone, Arizona... Tombstone is really just a street. Um, so uh, taking a tour takes about uh, maybe two hours. 
So, okay. uh, yeah, no, we passed by the cemetery. But, yeah, I've definitely seen that uh, in the wood. In the flesh, rather. Well, there you go. There's, uh, I think that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so um, I watched a video um, from this, uh, pot of this uh, YouTube channel called History Buffs. And they uh, they do like historical reviews of movies, and they talked about this movie, um, and it was really really interesting. Uh, and so some of the things that they got right about this movie, which were really surprising to me, um, were the scene at the bar with the dealer, where Wyatt Earp comes in and hassles the dealer and, and pulls him out by the ear and pulls him out. That was a real thing that really happened, um, <laughs> and based on real events. And just they know who that guy is. Um, uh, the OK Corral, obviously that's a real story. We've already talked about that and how it's actually not located at the OK Corral, but that's okay. Um, it's pretty close. Um, most of the characters that are in this movie are real people like Behan, uh, Turkey Creek, Texas Jack, Ike Clanton, Josephine, and others. Uh, almost every named character in this movie is a real person. Um, and, uh, Earp's brothers did get maimed and killed by the Cowboys. That is also a real event that, that occurred. And then Earp went on a famous rampage and ended up killing, uh, only four Cowboys, uh, not the large number that we saw that they just seemed to be more and more of them for him to kill. <laughs> 30, uh, they 40, went into the maybe? desert and there was just even more of them. Uh, but, uh, so that, that was, a. Uh, that was based on real events, although exaggerated for the movie. But not everything in here was real. For example, Johnny Ringo was not educated. It's unlikely that he actually spoke Latin, um, even though Doc Holliday <laughs> maybe did. Um, so, and he and he didn't duel anyone, uh, as far as we know. But he did die under mysterious circumstances. Nobody's sure what happened to him. So maybe he did die in a duel, uh, but nobody nobody knows for sure. Ike Clanton, this was really interesting to me. Ike Clanton was a collaborator with the Cowboys, but not an actual member. And he actually sold them out to Wyatt Earp early on uh, when Wyatt uh, becomes deputized. And this really ate at his conscience, and he really regretted it. And eventually was threatening the Earps uh, with, uh, that he would kill them if they ever revealed that he turned on the Cowboys. Hmm. Um, so he was actually a way more interesting character than kind of the sweaty, dirty dude that you see in this movie. Uh, he was always drunk. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and had a temper. Yes. And then, uh, unfortunately, uh, this touching scene at the end where Doc Holliday dies probably likely never happened either because Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp had a falling out before they died, likely over a woman, uh, maybe even Josephine. Oh, wow. Um, they had, hmm. So they, uh, they let, they, when they both died, they were not on good terms with each other. There you go. Wow. Okay. You ready to move on to our quotable moments? Oh, yes, let's please. do it. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm so excited. Okay. I'm going to start with our very first one chronologically. Uh, um, uh, Turner, this is... No, Nick, this is yours. Uh, do you want to preface this with anything? Uh, yeah. I didn't know what to expect at all for this movie, except for there's going to be gunfights and something happens at an OK Corral. Um, <laughs> this is 20 minutes in. This is when I'm like, oh, I love this movie. I love this. This is hilarious. I'm real scared. Damn right you're scared. I can see that in your eyes. All right, man, go ahead. Go ahead, skin it. Skin <laughs> that smoke wagon and see what happens. Uh. <laughs> Listen, I'm getting awful tired of your smoke. I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to work. Uh. <laughs> I said throw down, boy. Throw down. 
jerk that pistol and go to work. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Oh, fuck. That's that's all I have to say. All out of context, yes. This this is a very <laughs> sexual. Oh, scene. I watched the movie even in context. <laughs> it's pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard these uh, these euphemisms for guns. Wyatt Smoke Earp was wagon was a very well known creative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one's uh this one's uh Benjamin's. This is for our sales, Doc. Well, I just got us Faro game. Oh, since when is Faro a business? Don't you always say that gambling's an honest trade? No, I said poker's an honest trade. Only suckers buck the tiger. The odds are all on the house. Depends on how you look at it. I mean, it's not like anybody's putting a gun to their head now, is it? That's what I love about Wyatt. He can talk himself into anything. <laughs> so I liked this line. The That's what I love about Wyatt. He can talk himself into anything. It, I, I, again, at this point, we're kind of still learning who Wyatt is. And I think they could have leaned harder into this about Wyatt's views on life, where maybe he had committed to this kind of make money. That's how I'm going to make my life better kind of mindset. But he was really like he later discovers that he was lying to himself and there was something else that he was looking for. Right. Um, mm. I felt like this was a perfect setup for that. But then I don't f I don't feel like we really got uh, to the logical conclusion of that. Yeah, he he does like show himself to be a good negotiator, though. You know, he never he doesn't he uses violence, but kind of as a tool. Um, he's he does like talk himself into a lot of good situations, and and he's very charming to lots of people. Yeah, he's very quick uh, to do not only the right thing, but the the right thing for the right people. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, obviously, he is that, and like, it can all be positive or whatever. But I almost, I almost wish that Doc Holliday had like, well, and Doc Holliday did kind of have that kind of perception for Wyatt, where he's like, um, you know, you gotta, I don't know, change his idea on how he views life. Um, but I don't know. I guess I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, it just wasn't all the way there for me. Mm. Our our next quote uh, follows this one. Right at like comes right after this one, and this one's Turner's. Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now. Just leave that shotgun. I, I, this line is like baked into my DNA, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, as well as uh, uh, one further down, but uh. Just, you know, I believe uh, Johnny, uh, this this Johnny, is the is the person that was working the table. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. The one yeah. who has to jerk his pistol. Yeah. So Johnny, <laughs> after being threatened to jerk a pistol, uh, uh, gets just his he just gets like the shit kicked out of him via slaps uh, <laughs> by Wyatt. And then he's outside. He's going to kill them. And that's when Doc Holliday just approaches. They just have their conversation as, as previously. Uh, and then he just turns around nonchalant and like, oh, I forgot you were there. I'm sorry. Uh, you can go. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. It's so... Uh, <laughs> oh, it's so dismissive. Exactly. But like, but like, uh, like kind of, uh, what's it? Um, polite at the same time. It says <laughs> the right words, but it's like the tone is so like, oh, like you're so insignificant with all these fancy guys in suits standing around. Mm -hmm. it's, it's practically yeah. merciful. <laughs> practically. <laughs> and it's funny because he's the one that saved them. 
and he uh yeah he just yeah i don't, I don't there's something about <laughs> there's so much about this movie that i remember as a child it's like <laughs> i'm getting flashbacks <laughs> just uh reading it but yeah and this yes yeah, so this next quote is also yours it comes pretty much right after this one as well interesting little scene i wonder who that tall drink of water is my dear you have set your gaze upon the quintessential frontier type note the lean silhouette eyes closed by the sun they're sharp as a hawk he's got the look of both predator and prey i want one happy hunting <laughs> do you hear do you hear that music in the background that's swelling it's just oh it's poetry uh i feel like this phrase uh just does its damnedest of trying to sum up a cowboy in a in a single you know line of poetry uh and uh i think it does pretty well to do so so yeah it does sum him up pretty well doesn't it um yeah and this whole uh, score is swelling as he's like literally standing there squinting <laughs> i know nice they, they have that be. to have they have that wide are like what's that in the distance yeah i know he had that wide shot you could barely make him out like he's just kind of like a, a guy standing in the street <laughs> yes no I, I think this says a lot about josephine too and immediately they introduce her and i don't like her because of the way she like she comes into this uh like ah home wrecker yeah this this uh this whore uh, is coming in and uh gonna make things difficult for our hero yeah okay um the next one is nix uh yeah we were talking about this a little bit this is uh just after the um after virgil has posted up the law saying you can't have guns in town and um has arrested i think it's ike clanton um yep and his his uh his gang members are coming to pick him up in the morning and they have some words about uh, his new statute regarding uh, armed citizens. You're going to give Ike back his gun. Up till he sobers up. Wearing that badge don't make you right. The hell you think you are. Right up until that point, uh, and maybe I was like softened into this uh, like position because of the the scene preceding this one uh, in which... Um, Curly Bill Brocious does accidentally again kill uh, the sheriff, um, leading leading to all this hullabaloo. I didn't think that I was gonna care that much about the bad guys uh, and about their plight and how they're like existing and thriving and living in this world. Is that's a very this uh, this problem th- that they're having is you know one that echoes throughout time. Wearing that badge doesn't make you right. And it's it's worded so perfectly. He just says what he thinks and pushes it into Virgil's lap. The hell you think you are? He can't, you know, argue it past that. He doesn't have the words, the brain power, or the patience. But he knows, just like everyone else in this movie, uh, that it's right in his heart. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, these guys are deputized, but like what really gives them the right more than the other guys? You know, they they seem like the more moral characters, but I mean, it's really like a technicality, like who has the badge, yeah. you know? And especially out here where there's not a lot of structure, like it's uh it really is kind of an arbitrary it's even more arbitrary of a line than it usually is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, them wearing the badge or like uniting as the law had a greater effect than I was expecting because uh, with this being the West and think you know the frontier, I does feel like it's just a uh, something you wear. You might just put on a this is my justice hat or my you know uh, <laughs> law boots. Like it, it doesn't mean anything. You still have to combat the real world and uh, that far away from you know quote unquote civilization. Um, I. I it really doesn't feel like you're doing all that much by putting on the badge, whether that's like saying wearing the badge makes me capable of keeping up the law or even saying like wearing the badge makes it so I have the right to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's something that they explored more than I expected, but uh, by the end of the movie, not enough. Okay. Um, This next one we already played as our intro quote, but I think it's, it's pretty interesting. So we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll play it again and talk about it. Um, this one's yours turn. You want to preference this with anything? I mean, this is, uh, there's, there's a, there's a storm going on outside. There's, there's thunder, there's lightning. Uh, there feels like a real wrath that's coming through, uh, when, when Wyatt, Wyatt Earp is, uh, is yelling this. You see that? It says United States Marshal. Wyatt, please don't kill me, please. please. Take a good look at him, Mike, because that's how you're going to end up. Cowboys are finished, you understand me? I see a red sash, I kill a man wearing it. So run, you cur. Uh, run! Tell all the other curs the lie's coming. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Yeah, uh, I mean, uh... Oh, what more is there to say? Uh, he, he's he's coming, all right, and hell's coming with him. <laughs> it really is a badass scene. Like, oh it, yeah, it, absolutely. It's so, it's so cool. I mean, especially with him getting the drop on them, because the Cowboys are going to do probably their most well, one of their most cowardly acts yet in a series of cowardly acts, which is shooting the the wives and like the, the defenseless men on the train but instead here comes the law here comes justice personified Wyatt Earp and his like it, it, yeah it all that's a very epic scene mm-hmm. yeah and it's tied back to the beginning where they talk about that that uh, line from Revelations right or the the pale rider yeah. uh, is going to bring mm-hmm. hell with him yeah nah, this is this is one of the best scenes in the whole movie and it kicks off the whole rampage um and that music just uh carries with you um yeah, I do like this a lot. I love seeing Kurt Russell get mad in this uh, scene. <laughs> yeah, well, one absolutely. thing I wanted to point out is because he says the word cur multiple times, which reminded me of kind of the antiquated language that they use in this movie. Um, what was it that they called each other? Was it Lungard? Or, um, uh, they called, uh, called Doc Holiday Lunger because he had, he had tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that was one I definitely didn't understand. I should have seen that clearly it had it was a lung related insult. Uh, but that was one I was like, I've absolutely never heard this word. It's maybe it's gone out of, uh, you know, just out of style. But maybe it's just because there's less tuberculosis now. Probably. I was watching Probably with subtitles on. So I was like, who who's lunging and what? What are they lunging at? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, All I, right, we I got think one this, last um, one. Oh, I was gonna say this oh, scene is is even more interesting uh, because, uh, like we've like we've learned previously, Ike was the one that kind of sold the rest of the cowboys out, 
And I feel like they really kind of give Ike the shaft. Um, oh, yeah. But I don't know if we want to discuss that for later. But I just think it's like really interesting how they how they play that. Well, really, that person. I mean, that person is a character in this movie, but it's also a person. Yeah, he's like he really is. He's like high up in the Cowboys, but he's like totally incompetent at the same time. Mm -hmm. Right. He's like he's always drunk. He's always getting into fights. He's always running his mouth when he shouldn't. Like Curly Bill, Curly Bill is so much more composed compared to him, even though he's also kind of a wild character. Um, it really does make him look like make Ike look so bad in this movie. Um, and I think that's in to con in contrast to maybe how he really was, and to make him even more hateable. Right, easy to, easy for you to. Uh, want to see him lose up against the herps mm -hmm. right well doesn't he suffer like the cut on his face from Wyatt's spur also yeah like he exactly he, like and he's doing that like while he's like begging for his life on the ground like he is made to look the most pathetic wimp and the last thing we see from him if i remember correctly is that he tears off his red sash kind of uh like renouncing yeah. or giving giving up on the cowboys in like a final cowardly act instead of dying with his principles he's like oh no i'm just gonna, i'm a coward and i'm gonna survive so who somebody who was in charge of this movie definitely wanted wyatt earp to look awesome and wanted ike to look like a impotent fool <laughs> yeah very true <laughs> okay ready to move to the next one uh yeah absolutely this is our our most famous one for sure i'm your huckleberry <sighs> Ah, uh, poetry. Uh, I will. I will say this. Uh, I will say this to my partner Cindy all the time, uh, without any context. <laughs> Excellent. No, I think this is repeated by a lot of people. I, my dad, uh, when I was telling him I was doing this movie for the podcast, he's like, "I'm your Huckleberry." <laughs> uh, it's just a classic, classic line people say to each other. Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't know, man. Do you guys know what the the history of this thing? No. Uh no, no. So it's it's uh, I found this thing on thechive.com. I don't feel like it's very accurate, but they say like that there's a bunch of different origins to it. I'm I'm almost certain it comes from Tom Sawyer and uh Huckleberry Finn uh speaking like that. It hmm. it, it, it t it's actually a real phrase though. It wasn't invented for this movie. It's a thing that people used to say back in the old west. Um, and Doc Holliday being a, a kind of a man of poetry certainly would have know this sort of thing and maybe would have actually said it. Mm. Um, so it's a it's like a another piece of historical accuracy uh, for this movie that um, is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, well, he's got um, the other one. He uh, it's man. Someone's like threatening him during the gunfight at the OK Corral, yeah. like, to, like point blank. Uh, he says, I got you now, uh, Holiday, you son of a bitch. And if you're a daisy, if you do, <laughs> it's like what? What? That's right. What a what a man! <laughs> just no, I love all his lies. So coolly because he's got tuberculosis. How mysterious! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I want to say I read something about that actually being said. Like I, I want to oh, say really? the the gunfight at the OK Corral uh, does have something about that. Uh, I think I'm I read that as well. Confident. It was yeah, uh, I, it was reported uh, in the in the paper that uh, reported the shooting. Uh, right, so that was said. More historical accuracy for you. Yeah, only when it's cool, though. You know, only when it's yes. cool. Yes, only, only when, when it's, it's cool. Badass. Yeah, I can live with that rule. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay, well, that's going to wrap up our quotable moment and bring us uh, to the end of this episode. And as we do at the end of every episode of Affable Chat, we will deliver our ratings. Uh, and we're going to have our guests go first. So, uh, Nick, what rating do you want to give to Tombstone? This movie is a nice long ride on a short, slow horse. There's definitely quicker ways of getting of telling a story, but there's none quite like this one. Nice. I like it. <laughs> All right, Turner, what about you? Uh, I give this movie a, a Western night uh, with a full moon, and it's just full of stars. Oh, mm. shoot. Sorry. I, I, I completely went down wrong tangent. Um, I give this movie a full moon full of lead. Uh, brought to you by uh, Curly Bill. <laughs> <laughs> full moon, full of lead. That is. <laughs> That's my crime uh, romance right, novel. <laughs> Joey, what about you? What, what rating do you want to give this movie? I give this movie a gunfight in the swamp. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> I haven't heard a no like that since uh, the end of episode three of Star Wars. That's okay, because he's going to repeat it ten fucking times. <laughs> and, um, and finally, my rating. Um, I give this movie a slow motion horseback handshake. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> One that of the is more an iconic badass sequences of this film. So. Um, all right. Well, that was great. I um I really enjoyed this conversation with you guys. We're so lucky to be able to have guests like the Redemption Arc here on the podcast. Guys, where can the people find you? Oh, please. Luck is all ours. Uh, you can find the Redemption Arc uh, wherever they keep podcasts. Um, and if you just open the window, uh, you can hear me call out your name on the breeze. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, the Redemption Arc. Uh uh, on your podcaster catcher of choice um but i would also like to give out a shout out to spectrum collaborative which is an lgbtq plus youth mentoring group that i volunteer for uh and i'm sure it'll be in the show notes below uh but just uh spectrumcollaborative.org www at the front that's very, very cool. cool yeah thank you um, but yeah, again, thank you guys so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, we really enjoyed having uh, you guys on here to help us analyze this film. And a great movie to pick, too. I um, feel like I'm my uh, history of watching Westerns is lacking, so this adds another bit to that. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure mm -hmm. for, for both reasons. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? Next, we're going to do a review of Infinite Jest. Uh Finally, get it, this, move, this book out of my head. Yes, it's, um, it's taken us almost as long to make this episode as the book is long, so that will be interesting. <laughs> uh, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you listen to us, leave us a review. It really does help us grow. You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at AffableChat, or send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel where there are videos of the podcast and also... Uh, stream clips and other things that are not related to movies apple chat is live on tuesday night 7 p.m eastern on twitch that's twitch.tv slash affable chat that's going to do it for this episode for apple chat i'm benjamin and i'm joey thanks for listening